There is an epidemic of suicide within the military. We all know the statistics. 22 a day, on average. There are viral trends to do push-ups, fancy t-shirts, to raise awareness. But still, my friends are dying. This podcast is for those who are struggling. For those hurting and for those who don't feel like they have a voice. While my background and focus is the military, everyone needs a space to decompress. So if you haven't served, this podcast is for you too. My goal is to bring actionable advice that leads to growth. Welcome to the Diver Initiative. Hello. Sorry for the late delay. This is uh, is the Diver Initiative podcast. Welcome to it. Um, I'm the host, Steve. Um, should have gone up, but it didn't. I, I don't know what happened. I had to take it down. It was so there was like an error in the audio file. I'm still learning how to do this, so re-recording. Hopefully, it's. I thought the first one was pretty good. I thought it was pretty funny, but hopefully, this is just as good. I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope. Uh, you're listening to this you're you're thriving surviving um we got a book for you this week called the knight in rusty armor by robert fisher uh this book was recommended to me by my therapist um and it's a a, a short book uh it's only let's see here it's only like 80 something pages so uh, I finished it. I finished it in about a I don't know four hours or so. I had read it uh, like for like in between um, during the commercials during a football game, and like I said, it took me about the length of the game to kind of just breeze through it. But it's a pretty powerful book. It's so uh, the the survey of the book, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it a little bit. Some some things that I've found pretty impactful. It's about this knight who is a hero he he goes out and he saves uh damsels in distress and he's one of the king's guards um he has this really powerful mission and eventually he gets stuck inside his armor and so he doesn't know how to take the armor off and it's and it's causing him problems with his wife and his kids it's causing him problems to be a knight he's having to go to the blacksmith um and you know get get his armor rebuffed and polished and stuff like that and so he begins to go on this journey of self-discovery and finds that he is just trapped he's trapped in his armor um and so it's like well why the book why are we suggesting it um it's a pretty powerful metaphor i think and I'll give you a couple examples of why I think that's true. But I found that our identity, right, especially if you're of the uh, military persuasion, our identity can become so wrapped up in the uniform that we become disillusioned to anything else. Right, and so it's like if my values don't line up with the Marine Corps values, then my values must be wrong, regardless of what they are. 
and my values don't line up with the Marine Corps values, I'm a Marine, so I should change my personal values to to line up with what the uniform dictates um, that I that I believe in value, right? And I think the Marine Corps values are are, are honorable. They're you know honor, courage, commitment, right? Core values, semper fi, hurrah. He's a Marine, but I think like honor courage and commitment are are noble values to have i don't think that anybody out there would say that you shouldn't have those values but when when your whole identity becomes wrapped up in service um it makes you look kind of douchey because there's more to life than just being a marine because then it's like well what are you going to do be a marine forever or be in the military forever Eventually, there's going to come a day where you're out. There's going to come a day where they hand you your DD-214, shake your hand, say thank you for your service, and then you go back into the civilian sector and you're lost without a cause, without a mission, and your whole identity is wrapped up in a uniform that is now going to either go into a shadow box or in a sea bag up in your attic. So um, the book is, like I said, super short. I'm going to go through it a little bit talk about uh, some things that stood out but i i could not recommend it to anybody enough i think it's probably been the most insightful and impactful book second to illusions by richard bach um that i've ever read the bible is in there too i mean i'm a pastor's son but i'm just talking like non- divine literature right um it's it's definitely pretty powerful so i'm going to read a couple parts from the book and then uh we'll wrap this fucking thing up so here we go starting early on like i said guy's got his armor on he's having some troubles with his wife and it says one day juliet comforted her husband confronted her excuse me one day juliet confronted her husband I think you love your armor more than you love me. That's not true, said the knight. His armor clanked loudly as he gestured with his arms. Didn't I love you enough to rescue you from the dragon and set you up in this classy castle with wall-to-wall stones? What you loved, corrected Juliet, peering through, her, peering through his visor so that she could see his eyes, was the idea of rescuing me. You really didn't love me then. You really don't love me now. I do love you, insisted the knight, hugging her clumsily in his cold, stiff armor and nearly breaking her ribs. Then take that armor off so I can see who you really are, she demanded. I can't take it off. I have to be ready to mount my horse and ride off in any direction, explained the knight. If you don't take off that armor, I'm taking Christopher, his son, getting on my horse and riding out of your life. This was a real blow to the knight. He didn't want Juliet to leave. He did love his wife and his son and his classy castle, but he also loved his armor because it showed everyone who he was, a good, kind, and loving knight. So, it's, right, good analogy. It's it's not a perfect metaphor for the uniform either because the, the metaphor is these walls that we've put up in our own life from letting people in right and these walls can come from um time and service so i personally don't like large crowds 
Um, if you ask my fiance, she will tell you. I do. I get nervous sometimes um, at like concerts or big venues. Um, I, I, I have a hard time with, with that. It, it makes me anxious. Um, and these things come from service, right? These, this baggage that we get can come from service. And we build up walls to protect ourselves from the damage that is done to our psyche, right? Or our nervous system. And so I have a hard time with crowds. I have a hard time talking to people I don't know because I'm like, I'm constantly looking at their hands or trying to judge their character. Like, are you going to try to murder me in the face with a gun? Um, and so I put up walls and I don't trust people um, that easily. I, I have a hard time trusting people. And so that's like my agreeableness is a little bit low from a psychological perspective and trust is vital to relationships right and and i'm not even talking just like with my fiance right i'm talking about like if i were to engage in a business relationship or a friendship or a relationship with my mechanic or with anybody there has to be a level of trust there and if i'm constantly building up these walls and preventing people from coming in, it's going to lead to some problems because you have to have trust because without trust, there is no society. And without society, we go back to the animals. Um, and like, that's fine and dandy if, you know, reject civilization, return to monkey type of deal. But the best thing for human flourishing is increasing our connection with other people, right? Because you have that mutual support, right? A military term, support by fire, right? We have that mutual support, right? So I know I'm charging into enemy territory and I got some rock eaters up on a hill ready to lay down some hate, belt-fed hate and destruction. And I got my mortars in the mortar pit ready to lob some fucking giant-ass explosives. So I'm like, I'm chilling, right? Because I have that mutual support. And I got the mutual support of my, my battle buddies, right? My fire team, my squad, my platoon, right? Alone and unafraid is an expression that is said tongue-in-cheek for a reason. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Let's get back to the book. Um, so the knight goes off in search of somebody who can get rid of his armor. And he goes to the king's castle thinking the king can help him out. King's not there. Um, but he sees the jester whose name is Gladbag, and he asks him, you know, where can I find, what can I do to take this off? And, and Gladbag says, you got to go find Merlin, right? Arthur's, King Arthur's Merlin. Um, so the book says, this is the knight speaking, Merlin, the only Merlin I've ever heard of is the great and wise teacher of King Arthur. Yes, yes, that's his claim to fame. This Merlin I know is one and the same. The jester also speaks in rhymes. Um, if that wasn't obvious. But it can't be, exclaimed the knight. Merlin and Arthur lived long ago. It's true, yes, he's alive and well. In yonder woods the sage doth dwell. But the woods are so big, said the knight, how will I find him? One never knows, be it days, weeks, or years. When the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. Well, I'm not going to wait for Merlin to show up. I'm going to look for him. 
the knight announced firmly. He reached down and shook Gladbag's hand in gratitude, nearly crushing the jester's fingers in his gauntlet. Gladbag yelped. The knight quickly released his hand. Oh, sorry. The jester rubbed his bruised fingers. When the armor's gone from you, you'll feel the pain of others, too. I'm off, boomed the knight, paying no mind to the remark. He wheeled his horse around and, with new hope in his heart, galloped away to find Merlin. Um, <clears throat> and so I, that part was pretty impactful to me because it, it's like when you build up these walls, right, again, and, and we're going to assume that these walls have come from things um, in times of service, right, because you, you really do adapt and, and form your personality your personality kind of merges with the personality of the Marine Corps. And it can lead to emotional damage. Um, and s- <laughs> That's not racist, by the way. I am a quarter Japanese. Um, you know, it can lead to emotional damage. It, it can lead to these things that cause us to... metaphorically speaking put on our flak jacket you know put on our kevlar get ready for war because we got to be ready at any time we have to have these this this armor on we have to be ready to do this thing our identity is all wrapped up in this and the thing about armor is it doesn't allow anything to get through and it also doesn't allow anything to get out Right, so it's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. And so if you're able to look at the whole scope of what it is that we do as veterans, service members, um, reintegration into society, right? We're trying to find a new mission. We're trying to find a new outlet. We're trying to find a new tribe. That has to come from being able to let down the walls that we've built, take off the armor, take off the the battle rattle, put that to the side, and be ready to enter into a new type of exchange. Because before you joined the military, uh, let's say that you were like me, you you did not use like body armor, right? Like I wasn't like some airsoft gunnery sergeant rolling around chopping up dudes with like a airsoft gun. That was not my bag, you know. Um, so, you know, you put on armor for the first time in the military, you you get dressed for war for the first time, you load a magazine, I mean, I remember my squad leader, when we first got to Afghanistan, he he made it a, a, a point to get the squad together, and we all took out a magazine, and we loaded the magazine, racked the round, and he said, the next time you fire this round, it'll be an anger. And that was very powerful for me because it, it was like this symbolic ritual of you are going from, you know, a, a regular Marine, so to speak, which I don't, you know, we'll put quotes in that. You go from this, this Marine who's just trained to a Marine who's now doing the job you're training for. And there was he, he made it a point to make it a very distinct, powerful ritual. Um, and it's one of those things I don't think I'll ever forget. 
And so there's these transitions, these these road marks, benchmarks rather, these these benchmarks that that kind of distinguish you from one period of your service to another, to another, to another. And those transitions happen in the military, and you're like, well, this is just excellent. And then you get out, and you never transition out. You never transition from being in that frame of mind of I'm ready to kill to going home to now I'm a civilian again, and so on and so forth. Um, and I shouldn't say never. It just it the, the transition is not so obvious, at least to me. Um, and so I, I think that being able to I- identify and understand, like, I have this armor on to protect me, and that's what the next passage that I'm going to read from the book, and I think I'm going to call it on the podcast, and we'll, we'll finish up the book, or maybe I'll make it like a three-parter. Um, you know, we put up this armor because, for, for a reason, there's, there's a reason why we put on this armor. We don't want to get shot. And so then you come home and you still don't want to get shot. You don't want anything outside external piercing. And so we build up the walls emotionally, psychologically. Same effect that the armor does. Let's get back to the book. One morning he awoke feeling weaker than usual and a little peculiar. That was the morning he found Merlin. The knight recognized the magician at once. He was sitting under a tree clothed in a long white robe. Animals of the forest were gathered around him, and birds were perched on his shoulders and arms. The knight shook his head glumly, his helmet squeaking. How could all these animals find Merlin so easily when it was so hard for me? Wearily, he climbed down from his horse. I've been looking for you. I've been lost for months. You've been lost all your life, corrected Merlin, snapping off a piece of carrot and sharing it with the nearest rabbit. The knight stiffened. I didn't come all this way to be insulted. You are so afraid, said Merlin. Of course, that is why you put on your armor in the first place. So, we'll wrap it up with a couple last-minute thoughts. We put on armor because we are afraid. And Marines are born without fear, I understand that. But there is that concern that you might get shot, right? And so we, we have... Elements given to us for our personal safety that we put on so that the enemy cannot get in. But again, right in this analogy, the enemy can't get in, but we cannot get out. We can't get out. And so it's. we'll talk about it later in the book, but the book goes into the more that the knight allows himself to feel the more his armor begins to fall away. Right? So the more that he's connecting with the world around him, people, the more that he's feeling, his armor begins to fall off. And what's powerful about that is we don't have to be trapped in a one-way mindset. You can be a warrior and have feelings. You can be a warrior and learn to communicate your feelings in a way that's not weak or passive, right? Because that's that's no way to communicate your feelings. Like that's coming from the understanding of, well, you know, I mean, to 
they did say this, and I don't want to rock the boat, so I'm not going to voice what I want. No, stand up for yourself. There's, there's no reason why you shouldn't. But if you have feelings, there are ways to be vulnerable with people without being taken advantage advantage of, right? There's, there's ways of being vulnerable with people without becoming a victim, right? Where it's poor me, everyone's against me, you know, da-da-da. But the armor is going to do nothing for you here, now, right? The armor is going just to get in the way. The armor is going to just say, hey, you're safe here, right? Just keep wearing me, you'll be safe. But we don't, it doesn't allow us to integrate ourselves within the connective, collective consciousness, we'll say, of, of humanity, right? We don't get to tap into all the benefits of unbridled love and compassion and empathy because we're too concerned with the armor. We're too concerned with the image. We're too concerned with protecting ourselves from these invisible monsters that we don't ever venture out into unopened waters and allow ourselves to feel the things that we've been hiding from for years, right? So that's why I think that that last part that Merlin says is very powerful, right? You are so afraid, said Merlin. Of course, that is why you put on your armor in the first place. Because if the knight wasn't afraid of dragons and of, you know, robbers and thieves and such, he wouldn't need to wear the armor. But there's threat of attack, and he's afraid of that attack, so he's going to put on the armor. And then he gets used to it, and he gets comfortable with it. And it becomes a part of who he is. It becomes a part of his identity, so much so that he's ignorant of the fact that it's getting in the way of his social interactions with his wife and his son, with the townsfolk. Um, so we're going to stop there uh, with the book, I think, because I think that's a, that's a good enough way to stop it. But if you want to check it out, I will, uh, I'll put a link in the bio um, where you can pick it up. It's a, you can get it on Amazon. That's where I got it. It's called The Knight in Rusty Armor by Robert Fisher. Um, and I'm going to do, I'll, well, I'll do like a three-part series on this thing. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get some interviews scheduled. Um, I'm back to work. I no longer am uh, quarantining. So... You know, we're going to try to get some stuff scheduled so that way I can have a revolving door of content and um, we'll keep things rock and rolling. So, appreciate y'all listening. We'll cue that exit music. The exit. Egg. Whatever. Cue it. Man, just cue it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Uh, if you haven't done it already, just go ahead and uh, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as Spotify and Anchor for the time being. Working on getting up on other platforms, but for now we're just up on those three. Um, so if you if it, if you could, it would mean a whole lot to me if you subscribed, left a rating, left a review, told everyone about the show, spread it with word of mouth. I would appreciate if you got the word out. So thank you very much again for listening. I will be here next week. I hope to see you there.